1: Bloomberg is now on your dashboard with Apple CarPlay and Android Auto.
2: It's free with the latest version of the Bloomberg Business app.
1: It gives you access to every Bloomberg podcast, live audio feeds from Bloomberg Radio, plus hear the latest headlines at the click of a button with Bloomberg News Now.
2: That's the Bloomberg Business app. Get it on your phone in the Apple App Store or on Google Play.
1: Just download the app, connect your phone to your car, and get started. It's presented by our sponsor, Interactive Brokers. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager.
2: And I'm Karen Moscow. Here are the stories we're following today.
1: Let's get you caught up on what's happening in the Middle East. The focus is turning to hospitals in Gaza, where Israel accuses Hamas of housing command centers and weapons. President Biden says the al-Shifa hospital in Gaza City must be protected.
3: I uh, have not been reluctant in expressing my concerns what's going on, um, and it's my hope and expectation that uh, there will be uh, less intrusive action relative to the
1: hospital. President Biden's concern about civilian casualties is being answered by Israel's economy minister
4: Nir Barkat. You understand that we have to wipe uh, uh, ISIS, Hamas off the map and we will do it with minimal collateral damage. This is our values. We don't need to be uh, uh, told that. We know that ourselves.
1: Israeli economy minister Nir Barkhad spoke on Bloomberg Business Week. You can hear more of his comments on the Business Week podcast. Download it wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Well, Nathan, as the war goes on, tens of thousands of Israel supporters are gathering in Washington, D.C. to show their solidarity on Bloomberg's Amy Morris reports from the nation's capital. Organizers are
5: expecting up to 100,000 people to attend today's event on the National Mall. Capitol Hill security will be boosted. Access to the Capitol will be restricted. Roads are being closed. D.C. police have requested assistance from the National Guard. And the Department of Homeland Security has designated the march a Level 1 security event. That's the highest rating of risk assessment. The FBI says there's no specific threat, but there is fear of lone actors attacking pro-Israel demonstrators coming to D.C. The event begins at 1 this afternoon on the National Mall. In Washington, I'm Amy Morris,
1: Bloomberg Radio. Okay, Amy, thank you. And staying in Washington, this could be a critical 24 hours in Congress's attempt to keep the government funded. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has the story. House Speaker Mike Johnson says he'll bring the bill to the House floor in spite of negative reaction from the right wing of his party who wanted spending cuts included. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer has opened the door to a settlement.
3: For now, I am pleased that Speaker Johnson seems to be moving in our direction by advancing a CR that does not include the highly partisan cuts the Democrats have warned against.
1: And President Biden also has softened, saying he'll wait to see. The deadline is Friday midnight. Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Radio.
2: All right, Ed, thank you. Well, we turn to the economy now, and we get the first of two big readings on inflation this morning with the Consumer Price Index for October. Economists say inflation probably eased to an annual rate of 3.3 percent, and we get a preview from Bloomberg's Kriti Gupta. There are some varied estimates here, but I think the takeaway is simply that some of the disinflation, the progress essentially that has been happening in the, in the U.S. economy when it comes to inflation is going to slow down. So it's not that it's going to increase, but it's also not going to be making as much downward progress as we expected, at least to take out of Bloomberg Economics. And I think that's a concern here for a lot of the people who are pricing in a more dovish Federal Reserve, which is simply that this is going to be that key data point that suggests the Federal Reserve is not done hiking at all. You heard uh, Chairman Powell last week hint at that and kind of say, well, we're going to be as hawkish as we need to be. This is the data point um, that might back that up. And Bloomberg's Kriti Gupta says today's inflation data is not likely to shift traders' views on the Fed's December meeting. Well, Karen,
1: just days after the U.S. was threatened with the loss of its last top credit rating from Moody's, the Treasury Secretary is firing back. Janet Yellen spoke in San Francisco yesterday.
2: This is a decision that I disagree with. The American economy is fundamentally strong and Treasury securities remain the world's preeminent safe and liquid asset.
1: Secretary Yellen's in San Francisco for meetings with finance ministers from across the Pacific Rim.
2: Nathan, the big meeting from the Asia-Pacific Economic Cooperation Summit comes tomorrow when President Biden speaks with his Chinese counterpart, Xi Jinping. Bloomberg News has learned the two leaders will announce an agreement that could see Beijing crack down on the manufacture and export of fentanyl. We spoke about the opioid crisis with San Francisco Mayor London Breed. The resources uh, that are being sent uh, out of China that come into either the U.S. or Mexico are cut off to the fullest extent possible, that we work together. Um, in order to ensure that this deadly poison that is killing people in San Francisco in significant numbers and all over the country, that we're able to combat this, to stop it. San Francisco Mayor London Breed says fentanyl has devastated her city like no other drug in her lifetime. Let's
1: turn to some corporate news now, Karen. We have a takeover in the commodities industry. Switzerland's Glencore has agreed to buy a majority stake in Canada's tech resources coal business for more than $6.9 billion. The deal ends a month-long saga and sets the stage for Glencore to spin off its own coal unit.
2: Well, Nathan, a big week for retail earnings kicks off with Home Depot reporting this morning. And we get a preview with the Bloomberg's Tom Busby.
3: Home Depot forecast to report a fourth straight quarterly decline in same-store sales as the one-two punch of surging mortgage rates and record-high home prices caused a slump in U.S. home sales, putting an end to the home improvement boom we saw during the pandemic. Bloomberg consensus calls for comp sales to fall 3.31%, and the decline in the U.S., 3.67%. Still, net sales expected to be $37.7 billion, adjusted earnings per share of $3.76. Tom Busby, Bloomberg Radio.
1: All right, Tom, thanks. Back to commodities. The International Energy Agency says global oil markets won't be as tight as expected this quarter. IEA says uh, sea supply tipping back into a surplus in the first half of 2024.
2: Nathan, thanks. It's time now for a look at some of the other stories making news around the world. And for that, we're joined again by Bloomberg's Amy Morris. Amy, good morning.
5: Good morning, Karen. There is growing concern about a possible government shutdown later this week, but that could also spell chaos for millions of Americans planning to travel during the holiday season. Without a deal in Congress by this Friday night, air traffic controllers and TSA workers could be forced to work without pay. And this is expected to be a record travel season. David Seymour is chief officer. Operating officer with American Airlines. We're
1: going to carry more customers
5: than we ever have before, about a half a million more than last year. And House Speaker Mike Johnson has submitted a stopgap measure, but that doesn't include any money for Israel or Ukraine, and it doesn't have spending cuts that a lot of Republicans want. The U.S. Supreme Court has adopted a new code of conduct, the first in the court's history. Loyola Law School professor and former federal prosecutor Lori Levinson says the adoption of the code itself is significant. There
2: has been a great deal of criticism of the Supreme Court, and much of it has been focus on Justice Thomas and Justice Alito because they've received gifts, they haven't made full disclosure of travel and other types of benefits. And so now we have a clear standard.
5: But critics call the code itself toothless because it doesn't include a mechanism for enforcement. A former attorney for Donald Trump has testified against the former president in the Georgia election interference case. Jenna Ellis recounted a conversation with Dan Scavino, who served as Trump's deputy chief of staff. A video recording of that testimony was obtained by the Washington Post. He
2: said, well, the boss, meaning President Trump, and everyone understood the boss. Um, That's what we all called him. Um, he said the boss uh, is not going to leave under any circumstances. We are just going to stay in power.
5: Trump's lead counsel in the Fulton County case says Ellis' testimony is absolutely meaningless. Ellis is one of four co-defendants to plead guilty in that case out of 18 people indicted alongside Donald Trump. The president of the United Auto Workers Union is headlining a hearing on Capitol Hill to talk about the resurgence of unions. UAW President Sean Fain, along with Teamsters President Sean O'Brien and Flight Attendance Union President Sarah Nelson will provide testimony before the Senate Labor Committee on the role of unions in the lives of working families. Global News, 24 hours a day and whenever you want it with Bloomberg News Now. I'm Amy Morris, and this is Bloomberg. Karen.
2: All right, Amy, thank you. Well, we do bring you news throughout the day right here on Bloomberg Radio, but as Amy said, you can get the latest news now on demand whenever you want it. Subscribe to Bloomberg News Now to get the latest headlines at the click of a button. Get informed on your schedule. You can listen and subscribe to Bloomberg News Now on the Bloomberg Business app, Bloomberg.com, plus Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts.
3: now for the Bloomberg Sports Update with John Stashauer. John. Karen, on Sunday, four NFL games were won on a field goal on the final play, and it happened again last night in Buffalo. Denver's Will Lutz kicked a 36-yard field goal. The Broncos upset the Bills 24-22. Lutz had missed a 41-yarder, but the Bills got called for 12 men on the field, and he got a second chance to win the game for Denver, who has suddenly won three games in a row after starting the season 1-5. and five. It's been a disappointing year for the Bills, four-time defending ASE East champions, and they are right now just 5-5. Five and five. The Celtics are 8-2. They're 5-0 oh at home. They beat the Knicks 114-98. Jason Tatum led the way with 35 points. Jalen Brown had a 22. Christoph Porzingis scored 21. The Wizards are just 2-8. Kyle Kuzma keeps scoring points. He had 34, but Pascal Siakam went for 39 in Toronto, and the Raptors won 111-107. to 107. Unanimous winners for the Baseball Rookies of the Year, the first of the postseason awards to go out. As expected, Arizona outfielder Corbin Carroll got every vote in the National League after a season where he hit 25 home runs and stole 54 bases. And Baltimore shortstop Gunnar Henderson won unanimously in the American League. He hit 28 home runs and scored 100 runs. Michael Malone got his contract extension in Denver. He coached the Nuggets to the NBA championship last year. Terms not known. He's been the Nuggets coach since 2015. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports.
0: The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg.
1: Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. Israel's war with Hamas now appears to be centering on hospitals in Gaza, where the Palestinian militant group is accused of housing command centers and weapons. President Biden is saying the main hospital in Gaza City, Al-Shifa, must be protected as Israel intensifies its ground campaign. For the latest, we're joined now by Bloomberg's Oliver Crook. Ollie, good morning. Uh, get us up to speed on the situation in uh, northern Gaza, particularly around these hospitals that do now appear to be the center of attention.
4: Yeah, so Nathan, completely in the center of attention. And the ground offensive is still just raging on in the northern part of Gaza, really cementing their positions around Gaza City and entering Gaza City, as we've seen. We've also heard that a great number of people have fled over the last 10 days. The UN says that more than 200,000 people have moved south. That brings the total of almost two-thirds of Gazans, a population of 2.3 million people that have fled their homes. The defense minister of Israel says that Hamas has lost control of Gaza at this stage. But really, as you say, the focus on these hospitals and really beginning to test the limits of where the limit of self-defense is, which has been really a question, I think, for everybody since the beginning of this conflict. And everyone has a different answer to that. But we're starting to see that progress a little bit, particularly with the United States, which, as we know, is a key ally for Israel in this battle.
1: No, We did uh, speak to Israel's economy minister, Nir Barkat, on Bloomberg Radio, and uh, he seemed to echo a lot of the determination we're hearing from the Israeli government to destroy Hamas. It does make you wonder what
4: those limits are, Wally. I think it's a good question, and it's going to be in determined. I suspect in part by what the United States says and how they say it. Right. So we're talking about a death toll. This is according to the Palestinian authorities of more than eleven thousand people in Gaza. Right. And two thirds allegedly are going are women and children. This is a this is an absolutely huge figure of people. And many of the allies of Israel, you know, you heard it from President Macron on Friday, who himself called for a ceasefire. And now you're starting to hear Joe, Joe Biden talk about restraint. Blinken himself saying that two. many Many Palestinians have been killed. Sullivan saying no firefights in hospitals. And we know that it was at sort of the U.S.'s behest that we got some of these humanitarian pauses. So really, the question is, where does it reach its limit? Again, so a lot of this stuff is going to be behind the closed doors, the discussions with Biden and Netanyahu not taken out into the public. But you're starting to notice it in a lot of the public statements we're hearing from U.S. officials.
1: And as this fighting goes on and appears to intensify, uh, the question goes on as to how much longer this war can continue you how much more intense we could see that fighting take place, particularly around these uh, population centers that do have uh, very sensitive uh, operations in Gaza City
4: completely and then there's the after uh, question as well but let's deal with the for how long question which is you know again what Netanyahu has said and he said this as recently as a day or two ago was that it will take not many years right so he's not ruling out the years <laughs> quantity of time in this he says it'll take less time than the US took in defeating Isis and Al Qaeda which again does not really narrow a very sort of slow and small window of period of time but he's you know from the very beginning given himself a lot of flexibility in terms of how long this can go and now now the real question, and this we see another split potentially between the U.S. and Israel, is what happens afterwards. Netanyahu is suggesting that they will have indefinite control over Gaza. The security operation said they say they don't want to rule it, but they also say they don't want to relinquish security control over Gaza. So again, these are all the sorts of points that are going to see develop. And of course, the big question is what is the future of Netanyahu, and whose decision will it be, once there is peace, about what happens with the relationship between Gaza and Palestine and Israel?
1: And before we get even to all those questions about the future of Gaza and the uh, future of the Israeli government, uh, there's still this ongoing discussion
4: about freeing hostages uh, in Gaza. Uh, what's the update there? Completely. So the latest that we've heard from this is that Biden spoke to the Qatari Emir. As we know, Qatar has played an absolutely fundamental role in the sort of go between between Israel and the sort of uh, and, and the United States and Hamas. We hear again and again that there is potential progress on a deal, but. Every Every time we hear that, it sort of backslides. So again, there has been more and more talked about it over the last few days, but I think you really cannot really rely on anything until it's fully secured. What we do know is that Israel has entirely ruled out a ceasefire until all the hostages have been freed.
1: And in our last 30 seconds, uh, the discussion we've had with Israel's economy minister, it seems like there's a determination as well to keep this fight going, even if it damages Israel's budget, even if it damages the economy.
4: Yeah, I mean, the impact on the uh, Israeli economy has been very sort of COVID-like in many respects, where, you know, obviously there's a war effort underway, but we've subtracted, let's say, 350,000 people from the workforce. That's about 8% of the Israeli workforces. When you go down the streets, you know, many of the businesses are closed. All the universities are on pause. All of this stuff is really a standstill. But again, they see this as an existential fight, so they're going to be willing to pay the price.